Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And he said, oh, we're having a bit of a drummer trouble because our guy, um, Jonathan, is going off to play with Jeff Beck. Do you want to come in and take over? Because I think you'd be a good match. And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And he's, look, we'll book a rehearsal. Just learn four or five songs just so Martin can get a vibe for you, you know, etc. And again, I was on a tour bus with, um, in fact, Carl Behind again later in the year. And um, I decided to look up what their current, like, two-hour set was. And I just scored the whole thing out, learnt it all. And we turned up to the sort of audition stroke play. They're like, what do you want to play? I'm like, should just play your whole set? And I just went and we played the entire set and you could just see the smiles on their faces. Like yeah, yeah. someone's taken the time to learn the stuff and landed the gig like that. And I, I, I think that's kind of an important thing is uh, if you are going to be a drummer that isn't just playing in one particular band or your own band and you want to work with other people, you have to fill people with confidence that they know, oh, we can phone Darby because we know he'll turn up and we won't have to think about it. Welcome to another episode of Drum for the Song podcast. I am your host, Dane Campbell, and today's guest is the insanely talented Darby Todd. How, how are you doing? You, I'm how good. Are you doing? How, oh, look, we're talking over each other already. Already. <laughs> People are going to switch off straight away now. <laughs> I know. We, we, we were just having Zoom problems. Um, it's taken us about 15 minutes to figure out inputs and outputs and recording and clapping and all this stuff. So yeah, all good now. All good. All now. good now. Um, we're ready to make an episode for you guys. Um, but yeah, so Darby Todd, uh, I would say you were a session drummer more than anything else. Would you? Would you agree uh, with that? Yeah, I, I mean, if if that phrase is still applicable in this day and age, I think I think thirty years ago or twenty years ago, session drummer meant something uh, completely different. You know, that was back in the day where people were doing like four sessions a day and twenty gigs a week. Um, but yeah, for, for want of a better term, um, maybe like freelance drummer, I guess, is probably a more accurate description these days. Um, yeah. It's all the same. I work with different people. So what, whatever the uh, the correct terminology for that is. Yeah. So yeah, very good. And I think it's very admirable. Um, it's something I, I, I don't do a lot of. I wish I could do a little bit more of. I guess I'm a drummer in a band. It's yeah. my band, um, you know, and other people's bands. But um yeah, I don't. I dabble with some studio work for other people, but you tour with various artists back and yeah. forth, back and forth, recording all the time. You've got the home recording studio, which we'll talk about later. Yeah, which yeah, which is it's very impressive. So, um, but like like how we normally start these is I like to learn how you originally got into playing the drums, and, um, and who your influences would have been back then. Okay, well, I I got into dr- I started playing when I was six. Uh, I'm a lot older than that now. Uh, and um, and it, it was one of those things. I think when I was six, I bought a note home from school, you know, saying your son can play violin or tuba. You know, those were the two options at the time. Um, that probably gives my age away, really. And um, so I, I went home and I was like, oh, I think I want to play violin. That sounds cool. And uh, my my dad, being sort of a brash um, guy that used to be in bands from New York, I was just like, you're not playing violin. You know, that sucks. And uh, he said, just hold on a week and I'll I'll sort you out. So um, 
little depressed me that wasn't going to play violin. Suddenly, a week later, I was given a pair of drumsticks and a rubber drum pad and bought some drum lessons, and it just kind of went from there. Uh, and uh, I think it was one of those things that I just... You know, you do some things in life and you're absolutely terrible at them from like the outset and other things you pick up and you're kind of like, oh, I think I could do this. And that that was kind of like me and drums. Uh, and growing up, I was always sort of surrounded by music because my dad was a musician. He was a bass player. So always listening to, you know, music on the radio, rock and roll. Uh, and I think, you know, as a kid, I was like a massive Huey Lewis and the Muse fan, a massive Toto fan. Uh, all those sort of things. So that, those were kind of my first musical experiences, I guess. Um, and in fact, Huey Lewis was the first concert I ever saw when I was about nine years old. So uh, wow. that was uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, and then um, moving on to like drummers that I grew to like, you know, obviously it was like at, in my young years, you know, Jeff Picaro. Uh, oh, I was a huge Van Halen fan. So Alex Van Halen. Uh, I mean, at the start of my career, they were pro not my career, but my drumming. They were probably the two big guys until I got into my teen years. Ah, interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. So likewise, your dad was a musician, and yeah, he, I guess kind of a similar story to me, really. My dad yeah, played guitar. He, yeah, and um, he kind of. I think he saw that I had some form of rhythm, and I guess encouraged me in the drum direction, and I naturally took it up. Did you start at a young age as well? Uh, yeah, around a similar age to that, I guess. But one thing I regret, even though it wasn't really my fault, I never had lessons back then. Right. Which I wish he'd encouraged me to have lessons. He yeah. taught me some of the basics because he could play a bit, and I kind of just went on my own. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah. But you, you pick up yeah. bad habits that way and, yeah, but and you, things like I, that. I think sometimes, like, I, I've, I've really changed my mind on this, and I, I, I remember him, you know, years gone by, I'd have arguments with people and they'd go, oh, so-and-so is an amazing drummer. And I'd be like, no, they're not. They suck because, you know, they weren't the most technical player or they couldn't do this or they couldn't do that. But if you listen back to some drummers over the course of history that maybe had no technique and no real formal training, and some of those guys, man, have the best feel and the best best tone and, and, and are just great players, you know, and it, it's they have a vibe. So... I think I've definitely reevaluated what constitutes a good musician just because, you know, I pride myself on being able to do pointlessly ridiculous stuff that the majority of the time I'm never going to use. But it, it, I enjoy improving myself like that. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're the right guy for a gig or you've got the sound. There's like, you know, there's people that had no lessons that just sound cool. And, yeah. uh, so I, th I, th I think there's definitely something in that. Although I do really recommend, I think, to any drum, I think getting, no matter what you do, studying with someone that knows more than you is always is always optimal. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's great advice. And yeah, advice, unfortunately, I didn't get when I was younger. But, um, well, but anyway. The great, but the great, the great thing is, though, it's never too late to start learning off other people. Yeah. Um, you know, and, that, and like that's the cool thing, I think, with like, youtube now this is there's so much you can learn on there although i i do think because everyone's telling you how to do something not everyone actually knows you know what what they're saying so it's kind of if you don't know it's kind of hard to navigate that minefield but uh but i've i've learned stuff off some youtube drummers like you know how you get into those like youtube rabbit holes in the middle of the night and you just sort of watch 50 million things and I'll find I'll find drummers that aren't successful or have only been playing a couple of years, and you'll see something someone do something, and you suddenly go, 
I never thought to do something like that. That's really cool, and I'll I'll steal it. Yeah, and it's really useful for actual playing and 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 songs as well. I find it yeah. useful for as yeah, well. Um, for sure, for sure. It's a lot of free advice available on there. Um, yeah, loads of just, talented guys. Just not quite all of it's good. Yeah, yeah. Don't. Yeah, exactly. But you can you will be able to tell that. Normally, the good stuff has lots of views. Um, That's true. That is yeah. true. And I think you you know the stuff that isn't so good, you know, technically isn't really going to be watched as much because no. pe- people will realize oh, this isn't great but um anyway yeah moving on um yeah, yeah go and get some drum lessons people I, ne- I need to get some more myself um and, and get them from us <laughs> yeah well yeah, do you give lessons yourself yeah yeah i do and I'm, i mean the, the obvious i've just come off tour for, i've been on the road for seven months now and i've been home for about three weeks in that time um but yeah well I've, I've got a few students so i i enjoy teaching um the majority of my students are kind of pretty good drummers already that want to steal some of the stuff I do because they happen to like what I do. But I've I've got a, a beginner as well, so I enjoy it. I, I mean, teaching drums is not my main source of income and not my, my main use of time. Uh, therefore, when I do do it, I really enjoy it and I'm really committed. But I think if after doing what I've done for the amount of time I've done it, if something I was doing 50 hours teaching a week, I, I think I'd struggle. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, yeah no, I enjoy I, it. It's good. Yeah, great. There we go. So people can just contact you if they're interested in lessons from yourself. For sure. For and sure. I imagine um, they've got to expect to be flexible with your, your touring schedule. Yeah, and things like yeah, that. That, yeah <laughs> that, that can be difficult. Although I kind of, I, I realize after being away from home for so long that um, I think a bit of change is in order. Like it's it's great jumping from tour to tour and gig to gig. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of these guys that, you know, I've just done a massive arena tour for three months, you know, on the Devon Townsend gig with Dream Theatre. And, you know, that's like, I look back to being a kid and I'm like, that was my fantasy that I wanted to do when I grew up, you know, didn't matter what the band was, but just, you know, playing and touring on that level. And now I've got there, I, I realise, you know, it's great, but if I'm home for two weeks, maybe I don't have to take every other gig that's offered to me because I want to go out and play. I think you, you've definitely got to get a a slightly better balance between home life and, and work life. Oh, absolutely. And uh, that's one thing that I've noticed with this podcast. A lot of guys that always had that dream of being the touring drummer, they finally get busy and really busy and they realize they want to be home more. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, and it's it's not an ungrateful thing either. You know, it, I'm very privileged and lucky to have worked to where I've got. But yeah, it's it, it. I mean, you know, because I, I constantly see you're out on the road. It, it, it's it's difficult on yourself and also other people around you. Yeah. So, um, I, I, and also I think it's uh, if you can strike a healthy balance between work and and other stuff, ultimately that's going to benefit your work and your playing more than just running yourself into the ground. Absolutely. You need yeah. You need rest. Um, everyone needs to rest and, and sleep, which is something you don't get much of on tour. Well, you you say that. I actually, um, like the tour we just did, because uh, it was a, a bus tour, I found, you know, we'd, we'd finish the gigs and none of us were massive party people and let's drink till four o'clock in the morning. So yeah. most nights I was in bed by midnight and then in the afternoon before sound check, I'd just be lazy. It was too hot. So I'd just go to sleep. So I think I actually slept more on this, this tour than I've done like when I'm back home and I've got distractions. Wow. Okay. That's, yeah. that, that is interesting. Yeah. I guess the, the bus must have had good air con. Oh, the the, the the air con became a bit of a joke, actually, because we were always just like, why does the air con have to be so freezing? It was like just constantly on. Uh, 
However, when you're then on a bus and the aircon isn't on, you'd, you'd rather be cold than, uh, yeah. than hot. I, I've been on, like, I, I, my level and our band's level, we don't really have massive budgets. So when we do have a bus tour, especially a few years back, oh, we had some dreadful buses where, you know, it, it'd be advertised as aircon and then it'd pick you up. Oh, yeah, it's not working at the moment. And then yeah. you have to go into a two week tour. Or, or it's Europe. Aircom where they've got like one of those USB fans that they've like <laughs> gaffer taped to the side yeah. of the wall, you know, and it, and it doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's, it's um, a, it can be horrific, really. And, and yeah. But yeah. Uh, a, a, good, a good bus tour is, is great. I mean, we, we were on a beat the street bus uh, yeah. for this tour, and uh, Mark, our driver, was just like the best driver we've had. He was hilarious. So it's like when everything lines up and is good, it, it, it definitely makes playing and traveling a lot more enjoyable because uh as we both know it, it can be very easy to uh have a bad day on the road where where stuff goes wrong oh uh, oh absolutely absolutely um yeah especially it, it can be quite scary because if, if it means you can't make a particular gig or yeah or, and then you know that means you don't get paid and well, it depends on the situation and it can be well, pretty scary well and actually the, you you make a really valid point here because I, I i noticed like on uh uh you know if you see people commenting on YouTube things, uh, oh, why aren't you coming to my town? Or, or why did you cancel that gig? Or, or uh, you know, oh, you cancelled this gig because of, you know, your reason is a lie. And what I think what people don't realise is like when you've got a, uh, when you've got a tour uh, booked and um, maybe one thing goes wrong or one show gets pulled because either the band can't get there or um, someone's ill or... There's low ticket sales in that town. What people, I think, don't realize is that a lot of these tours, especially in post-COVID and post-Brexit, you know, there's such slim margins on these gigs. Even if you're playing big arenas, that losing one show can result in a massive loss for the entire tour. And sometimes, you know, a couple of other shows might have to be canceled as a result because you can't afford to do them. And I I think... uh, I think a lot of people just assume that, you know, bands even on a very big level are just raking in millions. Of course, some of them are, but um, the majority aren't. And, you know, it might just be that that one gig paid a lot more to make up for a shortfall in other shows. People don't realise, you know, how hard it is for touring acts at the minute. Yeah, exactly. And, and like you mentioned, the post-Brexit thing, it's its just made everything more expensive, more difficult, more time-consuming. Com- completely. And, <laughs> and, and interestingly, um, I mean, you've, you've been on a lot of shows and stuff. I don't know what you've seen with like ticket sales at the minute and stuff. What I've noticed is ticket sales are definitely down post-COVID. I, I think uh, a lot of people are still hesitant to come out and be in big spaces. Not yeah. everyone, but a lot of people. Um, but also, I think part of the problem now is with ticket sales is that now we can actually go back out and tour again. Every band and their brother is out on the road at the minute. So I think we played in Berlin about a month and a half ago. And in the same week, uh, or it's somewhere in Europe, in the same week, we were playing there with Dream Theater. Iron Maiden were in town. I think Korn were in town. And, you know, some other big band are in town. And, you know, with with the cost of living going up, with everything going wrong at the minute and people losing jobs and people not making money, suddenly people can't afford to go see their three or four favorite bands in one week. They're starting to have to pick and choose as to where they spend their money. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, th- I think that's that's been uh, well, we're not really talking about drums now. <laughs> no, but this is all this is all stuff. It's all it's all relative. And um, yeah, people, you know, hopefully people can be a bit more sympathetic when when, when you're not playing their back garden. 
<laughs> yeah because of these yeah. reasons you know there's yeah. only so much you can do um you'll, you'll never please everyone though i've, I've no. learned that now um, now so that yeah that what were, like dream theater was a band i used to love when i was a teenager yeah i had a little bit of a prog phase and it was like it just wowed me i hadn't been exposed to that kind of music and once i kind of discovered it i was like whoa you know especially the drumming yeah. so like yeah it must have been great did you get did you watch them you know a lot um, yeah i did um i watched i watched one entire show and then i would you know go watch bits here and there yeah um it's kind of one of those things that you know you're tired on tour so yeah. you don't necessarily just go and watch all the bands every night and it's not a disrespectful thing it's just no. you've got to kind of look after yourself and if you're not playing go eat your food have a shower go to bed whatever but yeah i i, I watched one whole show and then watched you know when I, because their set list was the same every night, so there were a couple of songs I really enjoyed. So I'd be like, "Oh, it's nine forty-five now. They're about to play this." So you know, I, I, Mike Mangini is about to take a little drum break. I'll, I'll go watch it. Um, yeah. But yeah, they they were cool guys. It, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, and I mean, obviously, Mangini is a fantastic drummer, and uh, he's a cool guy. We got on really well. Um, and it, yeah, it was just nice to hang out with someone like that and and see a band of musicians that are. Uh, you know, at the top of their game, it was yeah. it was cool. They I mean, we, other... we did like thirty-two shows with them, I think, wow. around Europe. So yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. That's incredible. And uh, obviously, you played some festivals as well with with Devin. Yeah. Um, like, I haven't met him. I shared a van with him once, which is very oh, really? strange. A few years ago, um, we played some festival. I think it was Switzerland. Can't really remember. Yeah. And um, you know, the promoters organise your ground transport to take you yeah, to the airport. It happens. Yeah. And um, we we were sharing one with with Devin and whoever was in his band at the time. Yeah. And I remember it was like a five a.m. pickup. Right. Everyone was so tired. And no one really talked to each other. But that was my yeah. my, my only interaction with him. Yeah. But yeah, it's so talented. Um, oh yeah, incredible. I mean, Dev, Devin is a phenomenal musician, and uh, he's a really lovely guy. Uh, really fun to work with. Um, treats everyone with a lot of respect, a lot of care. Uh, and he's he's just really funny, <laughs> really oh, right, really, cool. really funny dude. Um, and uh, yeah, it it was nice because the whole band and crew on the tour we just did, everyone was kind of on the same page as as far as you know, personality wise, and you know, knowing when to give people space, knowing when to have fun. Um, yeah, it's just a great experience, and to you know, to work with someone you know as talented as that is is obviously really cool. Like really yeah. cool, um, and I mean it all started uh, randomly at a Bloodstock Festival last year. Um, yes, that's, I was going to ask you headline, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. That's right. In fact, Bloodstock I think has just finished this weekend, so yeah. it's, it's a year on. Yeah, uh, and uh, it, it's kind of. I mean, if you haven't asked a question, but this this I'll, I'll take it this way anyway. This is a kind of a fun way of how I landed the gig with Devon Townsend because I think you know people often go. How did you land a gig with someone, or how did you get to where you were? And um, I had uh, uh, I've been working um, for about the last seven years with a guitarist called Key Marcello, who's the uh, guitarist in the rock band Europe. You know, like the Final Countdown and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I just got recommended uh, to do a short tour with him. Uh, I think there were five gigs in England, and it, it fit into my schedule. I was like, oh, I used to like Europe as a kid. I'll I'll do that. And uh, me and Key absolutely hit it off, you know, great friends, uh, you know, as many opportunities as we could get to work together, you know, that's, let's, let's do it. And if I'm not available, he's cool. If I am available, you know, he's happy. It's all good. Um, 
And I've done a couple of albums with him now. Um, but the first album we did, Scaling Up, I flew over to Sweden to do that because that's where he's from. And uh, there was a guest guitarist on that uh, called Matthias Eklund from a band called Freak Kitchen. I know, uh, yeah. yeah. I know Freak, the band, yeah. Yeah, Freak Kitchen, amazing band. Matthias Eklund, an amazing guitarist. And he'd done a guest guitar solo on the album. And I got the album and listened to it. And I was like, that's different and awesome. So I just hit him up on uh, Facebook and said, oh, hey, man, we played on Key's album together. Just listened to it. Great playing, you know. Maybe I'll catch you in the future at some point if I'm in, you know, Sweden. Stay well. Just, you know, sort of polite thing you would do to someone you work with. And I got a message back from this guy saying, oh, hey, man, um, no problem, but you've got the wrong Matthias Eklund. Uh, I'm not him. And I was like, oh, okay. So Eddie's like, don't worry, it happens all the time. And at the time, I knew Matthias, guitarist, had been doing a lot of work for Toon Track, that, like makes superior drummer and stuff. And this guy's, you know, profile was like Matthias Eklund, uh, you know, owner of Toon Track, so I assumed it must be the same guy. And uh, I thought nothing, I was like, oh, no problem, and I thought nothing of it. And then I got to a point where I wanted to buy Superior Drummer, and I was just looking at some videos about how it worked, and I suddenly saw the guy from the picture that I messaged by mistake, and I was like, oh, that's the guy, he owns the company. Uh, and so I just dropped him a message, and I said, oh, hey, I'm about to buy Superior Drummer. Does it do this? Uh, and he never got back to me, so I thought, I'll just buy it anyway. So I wrote back to him. I said, don't worry. I bought it. It does it. Hope you're well. Catch you later. And uh, he wrote back a week later. Sorry, I've been in you know, Mexico or wherever we've been. And um, we, me and this guy, Matthias, suddenly just became really close friends. Like I played in Sweden. He came to my show. You know, when you like meet someone just instantly, you're meant to be really good friends. Yeah, yeah. And it was like that. And so a few years later... Um, God, is this a boring story? It might be. Uh, no. Ne never mind. No, um, carry on. And uh, so uh, so a few years later, I'm obviously doing a lot of work for Toon Track, and I can tell you about that later. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, Matthias, Toon Track owner, and uh, Devon are good friends, because Devon works for Toon Track a lot. And uh, Matthias just messaged him and said, oh, hey, Dev, if you, uh, uh, I know you've got a band and you've got a drummer, but if you ever find you're looking for someone, I think my friend Darby would be a really good fit for you. And Devon said to him, oh, it's funny you mention that. I am looking for a drummer, but I need him to be based in England. And obviously, I'm based in England. Uh, yeah. And the reason for that was because Devon had been booked to do um, Bloodstock, but didn't want to let Bloodstock down. But the whole quarantine thing, like he had to fly here, quarantine in a hotel for 10 days, yeah. fly back to Canada, quarantine for 10 days. And to bring a whole band to the UK to do that, was just not cost effective you know yeah. 20 nights hotels and all of that um, <laughs> no way let alone trying to convince some musicians to quarantine in a hotel room for 10 de 20 days total just to do one show you know i, d I don't know many people who would do that no no um no. so i got i got a, a, a text from matthias and he's just like oh uh, i've just sent devon your details uh I, I think he might contact you and literally five minutes later i get an email from devon and he's like Hey man, Matthias recommended you. I've checked your, you're playing out on YouTube. I think your playing's great. Do you want to do Bloodstock on a warm up show with me? I was just like, uh, yeah, of course yeah. I do. <laughs> I'll, I think I'll do that. You know, keep in mind, I saw Devon play with Steve Vai at Hammersmith Odeon, like in the early nineties when I was a kid. So, and wow, so I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm getting a message from a guy like that. And, um, so my, my first reaction was, yeah, of course I'll do that. And he said, great, you know, I'll, I'll send you the stuff over. We'll start formulating a plan and the set. And then I went to bed that night and I remember starting to think, 
shit, what what songs are we playing? Because you know, I'm I'm a, a good drummer and I can play all styles. I'm yeah. not I'm not mainly a metal drummer. I do everything. I can play metal, but it's like I hope it's not going to be like loads of that really extreme blast beat strapping young lad stuff because I don't do that. So he sent me the set list and I was like, well, some of this is a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but I had some time to work on it. So, I, you know, I just put in hours every day and uh, built up my um, my metal chops and uh, was able to do the gig. Um, Amazing. And uh, clearly me and the rest of the guys in the band did a good job because uh, he then called us back the following year to, you know, do a three month tour with him and his festival run. So, uh, so yeah, it, it was good. And, uh, and the whole band were great. And, uh, uh, like, um, Steve, Steve and the guitarist, uh, this guy from up in Manchester, he was awesome. James Leach on bass from the band Sixth. And I was, oh, all, yeah. I was a massive Sixth fan. So it's sort of like, oh, wow, I'm going to be a band with the guy from Sixth. So it, it was, uh, yeah, it was all really cool. Wow. That's, I, was, I remember seeing the footage and the, the show itself looked incredible. Um, Oh, it, it was, yeah, it was insane. It was insane. And things like, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the clip where like the giant elephant comes yeah. out on stage. Now I knew <laughs> there were going to be a couple of ha things happening on stage. Um, but no one really told us the extent when they said uh, elephants coming out. I just sort of be like a guy dressed in a onesie running around the stage like an idiot. And suddenly this massive animatronic thing comes out and there's like pyro going off everywhere. And it was, it, it was an insane moment. And especially as that had been like one of my first gigs back after two, two and a half years of not yeah. working because of COVID. Of uh, it, yeah, oh, it was, it was very emotional. It was really insane, but, but great. And, but, um, and so now I'm, I'm still there, you know, and, yeah. and I played on Devon's latest album as well. Oh, right, great. Yeah, so, that's right. You, you had to go over to the States to do yeah, that, right? Yeah, uh, we, we did it in Vancouver in Canada oh, Vancouver, over Canada. at uh, Brian Adams' studio, the warehouse. So uh, that nice. was really cool. And we had, um, yeah, we just had a great time. Garth Richardson, who produced the first Rage Against the Machine album, was producing it. And it was, yeah, it was just wow. a, re a really cool experience. It was, that, yeah, it was great. That's the dream, cool. man. Like, produ producer, if I could have one producer, or if I could afford one producer, he'd be the man yeah. to do well, a rock album, you know? I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you his phone number. You can give him a call. You never know. I don't think we could afford him. <laughs> uh, and, and then that was a crazy thing. So we're doing the album. Here's me in a studio with like Devon and uh, you know Garth and all these people. And then we're hanging out, and like Bob Rock comes and chats with <laughs> us and has says hello, and then starts talking about all the Metallica stuff. And it was like it wow. was just yeah, it was so cool. It was so it's insane. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well. It's congratulations. Um, anyway, and Thanks, hopefully you, the relationship and the career with Devin will continue. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, De Devin's one of these guys, you know, he switches up what he does. You know, I may do more, more work with him. I may not for a while. You don't know. But uh, no. it's uh, while we've been working, it's been a, it's been a great experience. Amazing. Let's, um, tell me a little bit about your solo album then. You, you also oh, did yeah. recently, The Reality of Zeros and Ones. Have I sent you a copy of that yet? I I was I, I must admit on the weekend I was like I'm gonna listen to this yeah and I realised it's not on no, Spotify or no. anything. I mean I put a couple of full length songs on YouTube that you can ah hear. right um but I I kind of it, it's it's a bit of a touchy subject with with music these days isn't it You hear loads of musicians you know kind of going oh streaming is ruining our income and it, it's you know we're not making any money for millions of plays yet no one votes with their feet and they seem to keep putting their stuff up there. So I was like, yeah. you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to put my stuff. I mean, I might do it at some point, but I'm going to pay for the whole thing myself. You know, I didn't crowdfund it. I just reached in my pocket 
cool. paid for the album and I put it up on my website for people to buy. And, you know, technically it's only on CD, but people email me now and then and go, but can I buy a download? And of course I'll send them a link to a download and stuff. Cool. Um, but uh, yeah, I just decided to vote with my feet and, and see if I'd actually sell some copies. And um, I've actually sold a lot. It's been really oh, good. Excellent. Um, but yeah, I'll show you a copy of that. But that, that all came about because I, I, I always had the fantasy of making an album. And uh, it's one of those things, you know, when you're as busy as we've been, um, you know, it's like, where do you get the time to do that? And and suddenly it, it became apparent we were going to be stuck at home for a while, although I had no idea we would be stuck at home for that long. So I was yeah. like, no, I'm going to make good use of my time. I don't want to let, you know, the negativity of everything get me down. So I'm, I'm going to be positive and, and make my album. And... um what started as kind of, oh, I'll just get a couple of friends and we'll we'll knock some s- songs up in, you know, two weeks and be done with it. I, I quickly realized, nah, this isn't what I want to do. If I'm going to make my musical statement today, I'm going to do it properly. And it ended up taking me 10 months um, wow. of just absolute solid work. And then I um, I just started like phoning my friends that I've either toured with or recorded with or I'm just friends with. And um, everyone said yes. So, um, you know, I, I suddenly ended up making an album which has, you know, Don Airy from Deep Purple, Bumblefoot from Guns N' Roses and Sons of Apollo. Um, wow. Uh, who else is on it? Um, God, I'm over brain fart. You know, oh, Justin Hawkins from The Darkness, Pear Nilsson from Meshuggah, um, Key Marcello from Europe, uh, you know, all these Adam Wakeman from Ozzy Osbourne, um, all these... Amazing all these amazing players, a call behind from Supertramp. So all these people from different backgrounds. And I, I made an album of four covers and four original tunes uh, that I've worked on with a bass player friend of mine, Dave Marks, and um, just started calling the relevant people in for the songs. And, and it, it turned from being a tiny project into this huge, huge, huge thing. Um, and I, you know, got my friend Jacob Herman in Sweden to mix it, who's just a phenomenal mixer got it mastered at Abbey Road. I was like, you know, if I'm going to do this, yeah. I'm, and I can't see myself making an album. I feel like I've done it. I've made my statement and, and, and that was it. But I'm, I'm really proud of it. And, uh, ah, good. and, and it came out great. And, uh, it, it's weird. It's almost more of a guitar album than a drum album. And you look at all the guys that were on there. Yeah. Um, and I got a review of it and, and, um, I think I got a review in like, why it got reviewed in Metal Hammer is beyond me, but in Italy, and it got a really good review. And they said their only complaint was that they found because there was so much cool stuff going on, they weren't really listening to the drums that much. And I was like, "Excellent! That's yeah. exactly what I wanted." Uh, you know, uh, as much as I love a drum album where someone's playing stuff all over the place, I wanted to make an album of music. I mean, there's some severely ridiculous drum moments on there. But I, I wanted to 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 be crazy and like you know the last the last track on the album which is about thirteen minutes long which I guess puts me in the prog bracket you know it's got like a hundred and sixty five tracks of audio in it it's, what yeah it's and and no vocals so um and like one of the songs um you know for the drum solo I was like no one wants to hear me play more drum solos I've already done two on the record so uh, I just dropped Marco Minimum at, uh, an email and I was like. Hey, do you fancy trading fours with me on this uh, on this song just to make it more interesting? You know, me and one speaker, you and another speaker, and I sent him the, the just the song late at night. Woke up in the morning and there was a wee transfer back to me going, "Is this okay? Does this work?" 
And, uh, yeah, and he just played his ass off. And then um, on the same song, uh, I'm good friends with, do you know Andy Newmark? I don't actually know. Oh, Andy Newmark, absolute legend. He's played with everyone from uh, John Lennon, Sly and the Family Stone, Carly Simon, you know, he did like the Anticipation album. He's uh, David Bowie. He's, he's one of the, he's a bit like a Jim Keltner back in the day. Ah, uh, right. Just did everything. And I got him on a bit of a song at the end. And, you know, I, I wanted to make it more than just about me. So that's what I did. That's fantastic. Well, I'm happy to buy a copy. So oh, mate, I'll let's give sort you this one. out after this. No, I'll, I'll give you one. Really? And I'll tell, I'll tell you what else I'll give you for a laugh. Um, I decided to release, uh, three of the songs minus drums and I transcribed everything out note for note. Uh, so oh. I've done that as well. And, uh, in fact, I did that on the song Marco Minimum was on and I found myself having to transcribe what he played and he's a phenomenal drummer, but I, I would describe he's got a very quirky sound in the way he approaches very sort of zapperish and, and, yeah. and just, just out there and trying to transcribe some of his stuff, man, it took a while. Like it was, it was hard, but, I yeah, I remember actually listening to you on um, my friend Matty, Matty Roberts' podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, great. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. And I remember you said that you like, transcribe pretty much everything you yeah. play. Yeah, and I, I, think, I, I think in order to learn, um, I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with stealing off other drummers. If you hear something cool, steal it, take it. Um, now, obviously, it would be good to then rework it in a way that works for you or give it a twist or change it but I, I, that's how we improve that's that's how we learn so uh yeah and and i find uh like in fact the first song on my album i covered that crazy vinnie colliuta song off his record you know we're on with all the i'm, I'm tweaked with all the crazy changes and um about a year before i decided i wanted to learn his drum solo note for note uh now when it came to my record i didn't play his drum solo i played my thing but I found when I transcribed everything he did, it gave me a far better understanding of his thought process and how he came up with things and, and how he put stuff together. So I think, yeah, I think being able to write stuff out is um, is really a really useful tool. Yeah. Really useful tool. It's, a, it's something I'm, because I was never really taught when I was younger, it's, it's not something I'm very strong on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, can, I, I, can, I can read basic stuff. Mm-hmm. and to an extent and i did like music in school and, and uni but i've never be, I, i'd never be confident enough to say i could transcribe something yeah well it's i, I tell you i don't think it really takes that long because uh you just just do a few simple things and you kind of once you start recognizing a couple of rhythms it really helps you to hear the things that you're um right you're listening to uh, another reason i do transcribing being a session drummer is the, uh, you know, here's a good example. So we did two nights with Devon at the Albert Hall uh, back in April. And um, he decided that he wanted to do two entirely different sets each night. So we'd learned a 90-minute set for Bloodstock. So I knew 13 songs or something. Uh, so we were doing a two-hour set. So four hours of music I had to learn, and I only knew about 90 minutes of it. So wow. I ended up having to transcribe, I think it was 40 songs and learn them in a month. What? Um, and obviously some of these songs, you know, things like By Your Command or some of the Strapping Young Lad stuff, they're not simple songs. It's not like you're playing Love Shack and you just need to count how many bars are in the verse and how many bars are in the chorus. <laughs> um, 
So I and the problem was I was on tour in America with um, Martin Barr, the guitarist from Jethro Tull. So I couldn't even come in my studio and play through stuff. So um, the way I did it was I just spent ten days writing out the forty songs note for note in Sibelius. Uh, and then um, I genuinely generally find that by the time I've written them out like that, I eighty five percent know them, uh, and it allows me to then listen to the music and I I almost it's visualize notes in my head yeah. and then I'd sit in the back of the, the bus listening to the music and I'd have the, the music on my iPad in front of me and then if I suddenly went oh god what's what's coming up in the next bit I could have a little glance down and that oh it's that and it would kind of trigger it in my head so I if you have to learn 40 songs in a month you know especially difficult songs there's no way you can listen to all those 40 songs the amount of times you would have to listen to them to learn them. It, it's just, you don't have enough hours in the day to no, do that's, that. That's so, so, so for me, writing them out, um, it's the same thing. Like when I landed the gig with Martin Barr, um, you know, obviously Jethro Tull were a, a big band and the back of this still are. Yeah. And, um, they've got a massive catalogue of music because they've been going on 50 years. And I got the call to come down kind of, because uh, I'd been playing with Carl Verheim from Supertramp in Italy for four nights, and uh, the bass player was a, a guy, Alan Thompson, who played with Martin. And he said, oh, we're having a bit of a drummer trouble because our guy, um, Jonathan, is going off to play with Jeff Beck. Do you want to come in and take over? Because I think you'd be a good match. And I said, yeah, I'd love to. And he's look, we'll, we'll book a rehearsal, just learn four or five songs just so Martin can get a vibe for you, you know, etc. And again, I was on a tour bus with, um, in fact, Carl Verheim again later in the year, and um, I decided to look up what their current like two-hour set was, and I just scored the whole thing out, learnt it all, and we turned up to the sort of audition stroke play. They're like, what do you want to play? I'm like, should you just play your whole set? And I just went and we played the entire set, and you could just see the smiles on their faces. Like, yeah, yeah. Someone's taken the time to learn the stuff and landed the gig like that. And I, I, I think that's kind of an important thing is uh, if you are going to, be a drummer that isn't just playing in one particular band or your own band and you want to work with other people you have to fill people with confidence that they know oh we can phone Derby because we know he'll turn up and we won't have to think about it um, yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's a key thing if someone has to phone any musician mm -hmm. and worry that they might not do the homework or might not it's very easy to underestimate a gig no matter how simple and I've seen uh I've seen a lot of musicians uh doing that being prepared man i think is the the best thing you can you can do yeah especially for like a, like an audition yeah you just want to smash it yeah completely yeah. And, I, and i think as well you know as you know the more work you do with different people more more people start to be aware of you and if the reviews people are get because it, it's people don't care how amazing your drumming is i mean it's cool you know if you're the best drummer in the world or you do this but ultimately you know it, it's it's like the name of your podcast you know you've got yeah. to play for what you're doing and you've, you've got to give people what they want so they don't have to worry you know band leaders and bands have enough stuff to worry about let alone oh someone is coming in to fill a fill a hole in the band do we have to worry about them as well so that's amazing yeah. very inspiring and yeah really good advice for anyone who does want to kind of go yeah. in that direction um which, which i know there are many guys that i know as well that kind of dabble in different bands and fill in from here and there and um yeah but yeah transcribing if you can do it that sounds like a good idea especially for the the memory i suppose yeah. i, I you... mean maybe it's sorry to cut you off but maybe no. it's not not maybe it's not for everyone you know we all work and you know for instance as a teacher 
I I could I don't know teach someone a samba right mm. and you know I might have to think of six different ways to explain how someone can play a samba because we all mentally work differently and me saying oh you do this here and you do this here might not resonate with you as much as the person over there so it's 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 that sort of thing you know you you you've got to uh, yeah forgot what the question was now <laughs> well it wasn't really a question but yeah you've got to no, find a way you, the, exactly. the way you learn you know yeah, you yeah find... oh, sorry yeah so you're learning for me transcribing stuff and writing it out i find is a really time effective mm. way of doing it but if you're a drummer that can't do that there's nothing wrong with it at all if you've got your own way of doing it that's great but i would say maybe think about giving it a go because it's it's pretty handy Apologies for interrupting this episode of Drum for the Song. I really hope you're enjoying it so far. I just wanted to take a few moments to tell you about my Patreon page. This is a place where you can support the podcast in exchange for some bonus content. You can head over to patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. There are three tiers available at the moment. One is £3 a month, one is £5 a month and the other one is £10 a month. Each tier grants you access to exclusive benefits, which include bonus episodes, early access to the main episodes, private Facebook group membership, merch discounts, discount on Motorhead Beer, as well as a monthly competition to win Motorhead Beer, access to Skype chats with me, asking my guests questions, occasional free gifts like drumsticks, free tickets to Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons shows, and your name in the episode description. If you regularly enjoy the podcast and think you would enjoy those benefits too, please consider signing up. If you didn't already know, I do everything for this podcast all by myself. So I do all the contacting, all the research, all the interviews, all the audio editing, all the video editing, all the artwork, all the uploading. I write all the descriptions. I build the website. Everything is just me. So essentially, the money from the subscriptions helps me keep a bit of time free during my weeks so I can continue making the podcast for you guys. So again, that's patreon.com forward slash drum for the song. Check it out and enjoy the rest of the episode. Drum for the song podcast. This is really irrelevant, but kind of relevant. Say if my, my wife sends me out to do a food shopping. Yeah. If I make a shopping list and I've written it down myself, yeah. I can I can pretty much go and do the food shop. And I don't really look at the list because I've just written it out. It's in yeah. my head. Yeah. But if, if she just tells visually tells me, get this, get this, get this, get this, get this, and I don't write it down, then I'll forget a few well, things. And and I think maybe the way the reason you forget a few things is because you're not really listening. Because we don't. And not because it's your <laughs> wife, but yeah. I mean, you know, because it, it takes, I think, just the act of writing your list down or, or making a note of something. And talk about transcribing. It doesn't have to be note for note in Sibelius. It could be a cheat sheet if you don't understand how to write music. But yeah. you know, just just the act of doing that is making you think about what you're actually trying yeah. to do. So, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> and then plus at the end of your shop, you can quickly have a look and go, I'm a dick. I did forget that. But Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
just to be just to be safe. Yeah. But yeah, it, yeah. it is. But yeah, maybe it, that's the best best it, way. It, it, it works for me, and I would suggest anyone give it a go and see if it improves their their learning capacity. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so um, yeah, you're recording studio. I'm assuming that's where you're in now. For uh, anyone, I, yeah, I am here right now. So for anyone watching on YouTube, because this is available on YouTube, if you're not. Um, <laughs> so for someone who wants to start their own home recording studio, whether it's just to record professional quality drums for themselves or for other people. Like, do you have any advice for someone like starting out? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, uh, firstly, I think, uh, obviously being a drummer, it's not the easiest thing. You need to have a space where you can make noise and we're not all fortunate enough to have that. It's yeah. probably the least easy instrument to, to do. But, um, I, I, I think every drummer that's, that's trying to be a working musician or, like you say, just want to do it for fun. It's having a studio, especially in this day and age where the, the, the whole, oh, we're going to this studio, we're going to that studio, that those days are dead. Very few people seem to do that. So you're straight away being able to record stuff is going to improve your earning capacity and your working capacity. Um, and also the, the great thing about this day and age is it's not stupidly expensive to do it anymore. Um, mm. you know, I've, I've spent good money. I've, I've got great, you know, Four two ones on my toms, Neumann overheads. You know, I've got Neve ten seventy three preamps. Um, but you don't necessarily need all that. For I would say probably a thousand pounds, you could get yourself a good. You know, get yourself wow. a an Audient interface, which is you know about six hundred pounds. Get yourself, you know, even if you just put fifty SM fifty sevens on your toms, they're still going to sound really good. Yeah. Um, you know, spending. All the extra money I've spent on my mics probably only gives you, you know, five or ten percent improvement. But you know, for me, because it's such a part of what I do, I do that. But yeah, I, it, that's a great thing. You know, a thousand pounds today to get your studio up and running would have cost you, you know, a hundred thousand pounds twenty years ago. So uh, yeah, it's um, insane. When you... And yeah, and you know, I, I used to be a Pro Tools user for ten years. I've left that and I've gone to Logic. Um, and logic's not expensive it's a couple of hundred quid and you know i i find as well trying to learn how to do stuff it's kind of start meddling around with the software and you kind of go i'd like to be able to do this how do i do that and you just sort of go, i do it all the time google oh god how do i you know group this and not that and there's always an answer and you go oh brilliant and it slowly goes in your head yeah and it, it's kind of amazing how quickly you start to learn your recording chops and uh and how fast you get at it um but yeah, it's it's definitely uh, uh, as cheap as it's ever been to be able to get up and running. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think any drummer that's able to do it should do it. Yeah. Um, have you got a recording set up at your home now? I I don't. Um, my my brother who plays in my band, he's always done the. He's got his own recording studio. Right. That's what he does for a living, and that's what he did do for a living before the band. So he kind of, I've always had that option. Yeah. If I need to record for someone, or whether we record for the band. We just go there and all my stuff is there. Yeah. But I would like the ability to be able to, you know, produce at least a demo if someone wants to me to record on this song that I can do myself without needing my brother, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. And I, and that, that's what the other thing I was going to ask you about. I have mentioned it on previous episodes with um, a lot of drummers are now using electronic kits yeah. with, with the samples and the libraries. Um, and I would like to learn how to do that because I've got an, an e kit yeah. um, in my like drum shed, 
Yeah. Um, I, I dabbled with, um, was it so, uh, Stephen Slate drums? Yep. Just to, but it wasn't really very compatible. I've got a brand of drums called Two Box. Oh, I know that. Yeah. Swedish company. Yeah. And there was all these presets for Yamaha, Roland, and Alesis, but there was no presets for Two Box yeah. in terms of like the, the MIDI yeah. mapping. And I got. And, and that makes a big, big difference. It yeah. Makes a huge, huge difference. Well, um, you know, like like I mentioned to you, uh, the, the the electronic drum thing is great. A because you can just work on some stuff at home, and I don't have to drive ten miles to my studio. Yeah. Um, but B, you know, it, it's the drums can sound so realistic now. It sometimes it's it's it works really well. Um, like I said, I I do a lot of work now for Toontrack, um, who makes Superior Drummer and Easy Drummer. Yeah. And um, even Easy Drummer, which I don't think is that expensive, if you ran your um uh uh, electronic drums through that they've got two box presets and, okay. and their expansions sound amazing absolutely amazing um i just made uh, me and my friend jacob herman out in sweden made a uh easy x um a expansion pack for them which is like drum sounds expansion uh and we did it in this massive theater in gothenburg in sweden wow huge we put like mics in the ceiling mics in the the second balcony in the audience everywhere and it, it sounds great and um, I was doing a demo for someone the other day, um, and I was like, "Look, do you mind if I just demo it at home? Because I'm at home, I'll give you an idea." Because when when someone wants me to record with them, I kind of go quickly rough it up. Is this the vibe you're looking for? Does this sound about right? And assuming, yeah, yeah, bang on. Then I come to my studio and I record properly, and I sent them the uh, stuff I did on my V drums, and they were just like, "That's amazing. Can we just use that and use your MIDI instead? Because um, it sounds wow. so real and so good." Um, don't worry about doing it on your regular drums. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, 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 yeah, I did that. Um, but, uh, and I, I think as well in this, this day and age, like, I, I think for a long time I shied away from electronics and all of that. And I've, I've realized it's become a massive part of music these days. So yeah. it's, it's another string to your bow that's, that's good to know. Uh, for instance, on the Devon gig, uh, I'm triggering some samples and some sounds. So I've got a, uh, Roland SPD SX to one side i've got external trigger pads at other parts of the kit which i kind of had to work out if i'm playing a crazy drum beat where should i put the pad that yeah, allows yeah. me to hit it to make make the pad work and then we also had um external triggers on the kick and the snare uh and i would say that my snare drum live was about 85 percent real and then 15 percent triggered just to give it a little bit of you know oomph yeah, um, especially when we're doing some of those big arenas, you know, in front of fifteen thousand people, and it's you know it just helps develop that sound. So that would have been if um, when I got the call and they said, "Oh, are you okay with dealing with this?" and I didn't know what I was doing, that could have lost me the work. Um, True. And again, yeah. it, com it comes back to that thing: people want to be able to go, "Oh, we've got this gig. Are you okay with click tracks? Are you okay with sorting out the tech side of it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, leave it with me. Send me over the files." And it, again, it's another thing people don't have to worry about. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Yeah, that's so. that's that's it's very yeah that's very true. With they people are expecting that nowadays with the, the samples and the, the clicks and the mapping out and yeah, the, it's it's yeah. it's just become part of our job as a drummer. Yeah, um, yeah. In a way, it sucks because it's more workload on us. But it's, yeah. you know, you just get on with it and do it. You know, more, and um, more preparation. And, and I I quite enjoy that side of things because it, it 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 keeps you active and keeps you on top of what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and even on so we have playback on some of the Devon gig um you know with weird noises and effects and that sort of stuff 
Yeah. And originally, uh, the drum tech was going to be controlling all of it, all the playback. And actually, I, I said, no, I want to control starting and stopping because I want to be in command and know what's happening. So at least if there's a mistake, I know what I've done or I know how to solve it. And yeah. I quite I quite like having the autonomy of, of um, dealing with all that stuff. Yeah, rather than, yeah, I know, rather than rely on someone else just in case. Yeah, yeah. totally. I'd be the same, I think. I'd yeah. rather... Although yeah. I didn't set any of it up, <laughs> oh well, yeah, didn't want to do any of that. The text could do that. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, that's true. But I'll, but I'll definitely run it. So yeah. yeah, it's it's again. I think the 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 more you can do, and the more that you know, and the more strings you have to your bow, the the more employable you are. Yeah. Um, that's, that's... Or and even if you don't want to be employable, you know, I think it's it's if you're just doing it for fun, you know. I enjoy learning about stuff. You know, yeah. it's it's fun. So uh, you know, it's it's cool to do. More knowledge is always best. Yeah. No, no matter what it is. But yeah. Well, obviously, um, you've done the rock gigs, you've done the metal gigs, the prog gigs. I know you do a bit of jazz as well. Yeah. Do you have a, a perfect, do you have a favorite style? Like, um, I, I mean, I think ultimately, I love my rock music, and uh, you know, I grew up, you know, listening to Van Halen, Living Color, David Lee Roth, you know, all those those rock bands and stuff. Loved all of that. Um, but. It was when I turned about sort of 11, 12 years old and I discovered, you know, like the Dave Weckles and the Simon Phillipses and the Dennis Chambers that I really grew a love for like jazz fusion. And I think that's where all of my slightly ridiculous drumming came from. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, so I, I love all that. It's it's cross between. I love my rock music and I love my um, my jazz fusion. Yeah. And I've always played that. And, and interestingly, I think... Jazz, learning jazz or learning fusion is really helpful in other styles of music. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's one thing I've learned with, uh, like, the Devon Townsend gig, for instance, like, uh, I'm doing it now. Before me, uh, Morgan Agron was doing it, who's uh, an amazing drummer. Uh, Morgan played on Devon's last record, Empath. And um, there were a few different players that played on those records. Um, you know, a couple of guys, like, really known for blast beats and, and metal and all that stuff. But it was interesting, Devon still wanted to take the jazz fusion guy on tour that could kind of put together the whole metal thing and make it work versus the other way around. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I think, yeah, having the technique and facility can often help you with other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, and yeah, so I, I love my rock, but I equally I love my uh, my jazz fusion. Yeah. You, you were like... Not to blow smoke up your ass, but you do oh, sound no, like please the, do. the complete. You are the complete drummer. It sounds like well, you, you I, the, I, I try and be. Um, you know, there's, <laughs> there's 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 definitely drummers that will do things way better than I do. Um, you know, but I'm I'm trying to be good uh, as as much stuff as I can. And like even now, now I'm back off tour. When I'm not recording, I'll come in my studio. I'll practice as many hours a day as I can and work on things and improve. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I think I'll always push myself to be better. But yeah, there's I I don't think there's loads of drummers that you can see playing Strapping Young Lad songs at Bloodstock or Hellfest. And then, you know, a week later, I've got my jazz brushes out playing some Ornette Coleman with uh, some top British jazz guys. But yeah, um, although my <laughs> brushes do suck, um, but I could just about blag them. Um, but yeah, I, and I just I love being an all rounded drummer. And, yeah. and it works for me. But like I say, just because it works for me doesn't mean that everyone must learn everything, you know. But I, no. I think if you pull from enough places, it it definitely improves other areas of your uh, your playing. 
It certainly helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what 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 are the plans for the next year or so? Are you you um, waking or? I've got. Uh, I'm off to Sweden next week for four days uh, to do some work. Uh, I've got. Um, now I'm back home and I'm not touring. I'm actually, you know, doing some regular gigs. I've got a couple of pub gigs in the book. You know, I'm I'm not nice. too afraid to go out and and play locally and do stuff like that. And actually, it's interesting. I I know a few drummers, a few, a couple that do have done big gigs, and then you go, oh, hey. Fancy playing at someone's wedding for five hundred quid cash, and they go, oh, "I don't really do that. It's not my thing." And I'm kind of like, "Who doesn't want to make five hundred quid cash?" I know. Um, what? And it doesn't even have to be that, you know. Jazz is not exactly the most lucrative genre in the world, but I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. So, so yeah, yeah you'll you'll catch me out suddenly not playing the Royal Albert Hall, but playing, you know, uh, kids' party to thirty people or something. If it's with good musicians, I'll I'll go play. I'll enjoy it. Um, yeah. I've I've got a tour with Martin Barr doing the Jethro Tull thing in Europe uh, for um, about three weeks, uh, and I've got stuff coming up next year that I can't really talk about yet. Okay, very interesting. Um, but uh, uh, oh, I could talk, I could talk to you after we've stopped filming. Okay, um, okay. But, but it will come apparent soon. So, yeah, things things are good. Things are busy. Ah, um, and, yeah, I'd, I'd like to maybe go out and start doing a few drum clinics and stuff as well because I, I I miss those days. You know, I, back when we were all growing up, you know, like you'd have the Zildjian days in London and Zildjian days in New York and you'd, you'd be able to go see this drummer at your local music store. And yeah. They're just – that whole thing kind of died a death, really, and I think it – I think someone needs to start trying to bring it back a bit because I, I think drummers enjoy it. Maybe they don't. Maybe YouTube's killed that. I don't know. But I think, you know, yeah. going to these events and seeing people playing in the flesh and talking to people, I think is a cool thing. It's, um, it's definitely, it still exists, but maybe not as, as regular as it once did. Um, you should maybe um, contact the UK Drum Show because they, they have, that's like a showcase for um, brands and gear yeah. but they also have performances and yeah. master classes and stuff yeah. there yeah and that's like I, yeah I've, I've, yeah i've never really actively pursued that sort of thing but yeah uh, yeah we'll, we'll see what happens i mean it would be uh, I, something i like to do but yeah um, you know I'm, I'm fortunate that i'm still working a lot at the moment um and of course yeah. you know the, the thing of a, a self-employed musician is you never know when it's going to come to an end or a gig you know, gradually dies to death or someone moves on or you get sacked or someone wants to go a different direction. So, yeah. you know, luckily the last decade, you know, my my career's, it's pretty crazy some of the stuff I've done really, you know. It does but, sound uh, very cool. Hopefully, hopefully it'll continue, but you never know. Yeah, hopefully no more deadly diseases. Like, no, that, that, would, um, that. That, that would be really good because, um, uh, yeah, that's that's messed a lot of people over. Um, but you know, ho hopefully we're, we're through that. I mean, when that kicked off, I was on tour in South America. And we had to, oh, wow. we had to fly back from Chile on a day's notice, or we were going to get stranded there. Ooh. So um, yeah, just lucky I got out because I remember seeing in the news like South America shut down and people stuck there for you know X amount of time. So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and hopefully music as a whole will get back to where it was. Um, maybe even people have a bigger appreciation of things that were there that maybe we took for granted before i don't know but, yeah um, i think that, i definitely noticed that but when when the gigs started back like people i personally know that used to go to gigs a lot i think they they, they had something missing in their lives that yeah. 
once we once we started coming and playing for them again, they they, they just loved it and they really appreciate it more than anything. Oh, it, it's it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I, I saw uh, Meshuggah at the Albert Hall a couple of months ago, and uh, I mean, strange venue to see a band like that. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, they they had their mosh pit and all that because they would, but it was crazy to see like it was almost like re- I was up on the balcony and it was almost like release watching these people back to what they love and it, it was crazy to see that that release people get through music yeah and i think it was far more intense than i'd ever seen so hopefully that will kind of keep up yeah let's hope so um so yeah before we get towards the end then what yeah. what drums are you using these days and cymbals and all that what gear are you using well i am a zildjian guy and i have been a zildjian guy for a very long time since i was about 16 uh absolutely wow. love my cymbals um what do you play Heisty. Oh, okay. Sorry. Hey, <laughs> no, it's, it's cool. I mean, it's all good. But for me, uh, I just, I like the sound of my Zildjians. And yeah. I've, I've been fortunate that they um, look after me really well. Uh, I've also, I'll tell you what, I don't think you can see it here. Um, do you use one of these Porter and Davis drum stools? I, no, I've never tried one, actually. This thing, uh, no one's paying me to say this. I paid for this with my own money. Yeah. It's life-changing. Absolutely life changing. Uh, The last show I did with Devon in Helsinki, we did Tusker Festival, and uh, and um, uh, someone pulled the plug. There was a a power problem on stage, and the power came out of my thing, and it suddenly just made me feel like my bass drum felt like the worst thing in history. It makes me play faster, makes me play more accurate. It's way more just like sexy in your ears. It's life. Can't recommend them enough. Uh, amazing uh i play a drumstick company called los cabos from uh canada yeah uh, i really like the sticks because they've got for me sometimes some companies have too much varnish on their sticks others have too little and i just find it's just the right feel uh mm-hmm. and then drum wise uh i am just about to shift to uh the british drum company ah great uh, yeah yeah which is uh a, a relatively new uh english drum company uh I got to go uh, when I was in rehearsal with, with Deb and uh, I went to their factory in Stockport to, you know, meet them and check out how they made the drums and meet the team. And, I mean, their drums are amazing. They're yeah, really they well made drums. They sound amazing. Um, but the, the thing that really did it for me was that everyone that works there is so into what they do. It wasn't just like, oh, we're turning up for work, doing a job. It They were so into the whole thing. Uh, and... Um, and, you know, even though they gave me the factory tour that they've probably given to 5,000 people before me, you know, there was no boredom. They they still, they seem just as enthused about the product as uh, as they probably were from day one. Uh, and uh, Tina, who was the uh, artist rep over at Zildjian, uh, she now is the artist rep over at British uh, Drum Company. Yeah. And, you know, she's awesome. She's really cool. And she's, you know, really passionate about, you know, what, she decides to work with and so um i've i've decided to to make the leap and go with them so uh i'm going up in a couple of weeks to sit down with them and plan my drum kit exactly and and do all amazing that. that's and, exciting yeah, I'm, I'm really excited i'm really yeah. excited so uh i'm i'm looking forward to that and they they seem as well to be you know for a, a small company really elevating themselves quickly you know yeah and a definitely. lot of guys are making the shift uh a lot of people seem to recognise that they they make amazing sounding drums, uh, and um, 
yeah, I'm I'm really excited for a a, a new chapter. Yeah, well, congratulations. Yeah, Thank they you. look they look amazing drums. Like I, I I've never played one in the flesh, um, but I've, I've I've seen them a lot, and I know a lot of drummers that use them and yeah. that have well, switched Matt, to them recently. Yeah, Matty, Matty just bought a kit. I, I love yeah. it. Matt, Matty went to the drum show and uh, came away with a drum set that he didn't need. He didn't need, yeah, I know. And so, it's quite, I was actually in, I played a festival in Stockport the other day uh-huh. and I, this is a crazy story. We rented a, a van and a trailer. The trailer didn't have a padlock on it. Right. So we had to go and buy a padlock. So we were up in Stockport. We found a, a screw fix on yep. Google Maps yep. <laughs> on a, on some industrial estate. Drove past the British Drum Company. That's where way, they are. Warehouse. Yeah, and I was like, "That's the British Drum Company," and well, um, well, just ne- to buy a pad. Yeah. yeah. Next time, um, give Mel at British Drum Company a text. He'll show you around the whole thing and let you check yeah. it out. Uh, um, they're they're really cool there. Um, plus, they make good coffee. Mm, always so, a bonus. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah. but I, I have a feeling, like me, you'll go to the factory. And suddenly come away with like, I need this stuff. <laughs> uh, and in fact, they gave me um, uh, b- before we went out on the Devon tour. Um, I had my current kit, and uh, I didn't bring a spare snare from me. So STS Touring, who based in Manchester, who uh, tour managers, they bought out one of um, uh, British Drum Company's uh, uh, Bluebird snares, which is like the chrome over brass. Mm. And I've I've got a old early nineties pearl brass free floater that I use for. A lot of the time, I love that drum. It's just one of my favorite, a real underrated drum. And uh, we shot the the Bluebird out against it, and all our sound men were just like, "Get rid of the pearl. This this just sounds really good." So um, wow. yeah, so yeah, it's 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 good. It's exciting. Yeah, that's cool. I, I could yeah, good to hear that. And um, right, I've got you. Kind of already answered this question. Yeah, but one, uh, no one thing. I know one thing. I've um. I've got a Patreon page and one of the bonuses for the top tier, they get to ask you a question. Okay. But do you have any any more information about what it was like collaborating with Marco Miniman on your album? I know you've kind of already said this. Um, yeah, Anything else? Um, well, I mean, I've known Marco for a while because um, uh, I, I know him through the aristocrats because I've worked with Guthrie a couple of times and oh, yeah. him through oh. that. Wow. Uh, and we've hung out, and uh, and also Marco's a big Jethro Tull fan, so you know we, we had that in common. But yeah, I mean, it, it was strange. I, I just messaged him, I dropped him a line. I was like, "Do you want to do this?" And he he just sent me back the files the next huh. morning, and I was like, "Oh, dude, that's amazing!" So a, a couple of weeks later, I actually I did the whole album in my own studio, except for one song that I did while I was in Sweden with Jake. And um, so I kind of put our drums in place and sent it back, and he was like. Oh, do you mind if I just do one more pass? And he just sent me a different take, and I put that in, uh, and and that was it. But I mean, wow. I was, like everyone else on my record, I didn't really want to tell people what to do. The the whole idea was that they um, put themselves into it and, and yeah. do what they think's right. Uh, and it was the same with Marco. And uh, you know, he's, what he sent back was amazing. I'm not hardly going to say. Oh, that's great! But can you just you know change that? It it, it didn't no. need it. It was just it was amazing. And he's such a lovely, happy, cool guy. You know he's great. So yeah. um, and and that's the thing. It's again we were talking about working with musicians. People want to work with people that they get on with and they like. You know, yes. and, and and that's that's almost if you've been recommended for a gig, the playing is almost a prerequisite. Everyone knows that you can play, and it's like 
it becomes, oh, is he a cool hang? And yeah. uh, if you're not a cool hang, you don't last. And yeah. uh, Marco is a cool hang. Uh, everyone on my record's a cool hang. The majority of people I know are a cool hang. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's a good, generally a good community of people. So, um, yeah, that, I, 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 there, there was no real interaction, you know, between me and Marco because it just, what he sent back was just phenomenal. Yeah. I can't wait to hear it. I'm yeah. Gonna, I'll yeah. check it out soon. Yeah. But that, that was from Pietro. Sorry, I forgot to mention Pietro. Thank oh, you cheers, for the question. Pietro. Glad you, um, you wanted to ask a question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. He's good. He's, he's a really good guy, really good drummer as well. Cool. Um, now we've got the, the quick fire round, which is just so people can get to know you a little bit better. That's where I dropped myself in it by saying the wrong thing. Well, <laughs> you know, some of them are quite difficult to answer. So what's your favorite food? Uh, probably pizza or Italian. Cool. Although I'm vegetarian now, so, uh, you know. Veggie pizzas are nice. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah favorite Italian. movie? Favorite movie? Oh, God. Um, this really is quick fire. Uh, Spinal Tap's always a classic. Yeah. Um, I love uh, Caddyshack is a funny old one that I like. I Some like that. it hot is an old one that I like. So yeah, those three will do. Okay. Uh, guitar or bass? Uh, guitar. Okay. Nylon or wood tip? Wood tip. Okay. John Bonham or Neil Peart? Uh, Mitch Mitchell. Wrong answer. Right, that, that's that's good. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, jo- Mitch, uh, jo- John Bonham. If you had to choose one, I know that. Jo- John Bonham. Both amazing. Uh, Beatles or Rolling Stones? Beatles. Didn't right even answer. think about that one. Yeah, correct. Correct <laughs> yeah, answer. Yeah, the only answer. B- big or small venue? Um, uh, big. Bit, yeah. bit of both, but because it's only too big. But yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, this might be interesting. Favorite time signature. Uh. Four. Okay, I thought you uh, might have given me a funny one. Well, okay, uh, uh, I'll expand. Four, yeah, but uh, seven, I really enjoy. Five, seven. I find quite difficult. Seven mm. is just the uh, right amount of weirdness that I think still grooves. Yeah, yeah. And it's, seven, yeah, I mean. seven, eight. Seven. <laughs> we got there in the end. Uh, favorite rhythm section, so drummer and bass player. Oh, uh, one would have to be uh, probably Van Halen. Uh, so Alex Van Halen, Michael Anthony, that would yeah. that would be a good one. Yeah. Um, uh, Paul McCartney, Ringo. Yeah, can't really beat that. That, that <laughs> yeah, that's it. Have, uh, have you have you seen the um the Peter Jackson documentary? Yes, it's it's incredible, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I I watch it all over Christmas time with um yeah my my wife and my in laws and we watched it together and it was just they're big Beatles fans. Yeah, and um. Yeah, it was incredible, yeah. and I just made me want to listen to him all the time after that. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I was I was a fan anyway, big fan anyway. But um, it'd been a few years since I'd really, I guess, I got into him late in life. I I, I started listening to the Beatles when I was like twenty three. Yeah, like for some reason I wasn't really exposed to them properly when I was a kid, which is yeah. annoying. But yeah, I was like. But you discovered them later on in life, yeah. so that's all that matters. And I was like, what? This is like the most incredible music I've ever heard, and just. Yeah. Like, instantly accessible and yeah. catchy and interesting and musical. Oh, amazing. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, come watch that if you haven't watched it. Uh, yeah. Name an underrated band. Oh. Uh, current or old? Whatever. Oh, God. That's a really tough question. Um, 
I can't think of one off the top of my head. Okay, never um, mind. Yeah, sorry, that's an awful answer. I that's all right. I apologise to everyone. That's um, all right. Yeah, um, God, my, my mind's gone blank. We'll skip it. That's all right. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, favourite album of all time? Oh, um... God, I'm, I'm really failing at this now. Um, uh, I do really love the Beatles White Album. I think that's, yeah. that's an amazing record. Uh, oh, okay. Um, there's actually, I don't have one. I've, I've got a group of records that I love and go to. Okay. Um, <clears throat> one is Paint the World by Chick Corea, uh, which has Gary Novak on drums. I think okay. that record is absolutely phenomenal from start to finish. Uh, Iowa by Slipknot. Is one of my favourite records. I just think uh, it's probably one of the best metal records ever made. Uh, yeah, I, I think, it is incredible. Uh, and I like Slipknot, but for me, that that defines Slipknot. Uh, the playing, the aggression, the the lack of click track on it is just real. It's raw. It's amazing. So yeah, those those are two of my favourite albums on two ends of the spectrum. Yeah, totally. Oh, and, shove, met... and shove the best of Huey Lewis in there as well, for good measure. <laughs> nice, nice. I actually got uh, to play The Power of Love with Huey Lewis, and that was amazing. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that that's is career, so cool. That was a career highlight. Yeah, I bet. Oh, what, you've done so much, man. Um, that's great. What Last one, favourite drummer of all time? Um, it's varied over the years. I've got to say right now my favourite drummer is Vinnie Colliotta. Uh I'm obsessed with decoding everything he's done yeah uh, yeah Vinny uh, yeah followed closely I was a Dave Weckle fan and for years still am uh, I mean my main guys growing up were Dave Weckle Dennis Chambers Simon Phillips Greg Bissonette those are the mm-hmm. guys that sort of I think I'm a, an amalgamation of but Vinny Vinny it's another level of yeah. craziness in it yeah, yeah. And creativity yeah. yeah but He's he's one of those guys that you you see him go off and do the most insane, amazing things, uh, and then you listen to him on a pop record where he's doing nothing and he still makes it sound better than anyone else on the yeah, planet. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. Uh, he's yeah. a lot of people's favourite drummer. Um, yeah. Follow? Do you follow him on Twitter at all? I don't. No, I've, I've Probably... seen he's started doing a podcast, Breakfast with Vinny, as well. Hasn't oh he? yeah, that's good. He's a little um, bit controversial on Twitter. That's all I'm going to say. Um, well, there was that account for a while called Fake Finney. Did you see oh, that right. one? No, no, no. Uh, that was quite funny. And uh, it was like, you know, making making jokes out of, you know, other drummers and talking about ah. their, their wigs and stuff like that. But uh, I, have, I haven't followed him on Twitter. I don't actually use Twitter. It's the one uh, bit of social media that I just, I don't see the point. I don't, to be honest, I, I have it. Because yeah. I use it to promote stuff, I don't really consume a lot on it. But every, yeah. sometimes I, I, you know, I'll see something and I'm like, okay. Yeah. But yeah, that's the way it is for me. Um, right. So now, if you could start your own band with yourself on drums, yeah. create your own dream band with the members of the band dead or alive, who would you have playing the other instruments? Oh wow, that's a cool question. Uh, yeah. Um, I think I just want to play with the Beatles. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but leave Ringo in the band or do double drums. Um, oh, that'd be so cool. But no, if I if I think about that, I would say I definitely have to have Paul McCartney in the band. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Paul McCartney can play bass, uh, keyboards. Oh, so many great players. Let's chuck Chick Corea in there just to really mix it up. Yeah, guitar maybe. I've 
I've always wanted to play with Steve Vai. I think that would be really cool. So I'll 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 shove him on I'll shove him on guitar. Problem is I've actually played with you know I've played with a lot of good guitar players from you know Gary Moore to to Paul Gilbert to you know Carl Behind all these guys. So wow. So I feel like guitar wise I've actually achieved some real guitar goals. But uh, yeah, yeah yeah let's let's bung Steve Vai on there. And nice. um and let's stick Tito Puente on the um Timbales just to see his little smiley face go crazy yeah. and he wax stuff. That's amazing, man. Yeah. Well, I don't know, well, I'm well, not so sure what the music would sound like, but uh Would it be instrumental music? Um oh yeah, maybe I should have a singer. Um you don't I have mean, to. Paul, Paul can do a bit of vocals occasionally. He's quite um, good at that. <laughs> maybe oh, we could have to sing. Um See so you you could send that either way. You could have someone funny or you could have someone serious. Let's uh let's shove Jeff Buckley on vocals. That would oh, be cool. very cool. Yeah. Oh wow, that's yeah. probably one of the best bands I've ever ever envisioned in my head. Yeah, <laughs> except for me. <laughs> Don't be silly. Don't I'll, be silly. I'll, I'll, I'll depth the gig out to someone better. You're amazing, man. You're amazing. Oh, uh, thanks. Man. No, well, thanks for taking the time to do this. Oh, I know we cool, had a bit man. of a it's been fun. slow start with the technical stuff before we hit record. Um, if anyone wants to follow you. Uh, I know it's darbytodd.com. It's kind of your website. Um, yeah. Yeah, are you open to you know people adding you on Facebook yeah, and stuff come, like that? Yeah, come and stalk me. Uh, I, think <laughs> pers- I think my personal Facebook page is full now, but I've got a music one on there. And also ah, okay. my, my Instagram, which I think is Instagram forward slash Darby Todd. Um, basically anything with the word Darby Todd at the end of it should should find me, um, Yeah, I think. But um yeah, I, I'm probably most active on my Facebook page because I tend to post, oh, I'm doing this or I'm doing that. Instagram, I try and do, but I just, I'm too busy to get into to, to doing all of that. And I, I yeah. accept it's it's definitely become a thing for musicians, but yeah, I, I don't want to be that guy. The thing is, you'll post a picture of a an old vintage drum or something or me doing something i've learned people prefer it when i post pictures of old stuff versus me actually playing the albert hall that seems to get a lot more recognition yeah. but but yeah it's man social media is so it can be so frustrating i'm in a position where i'm trying to push it to build up and you my, and you have my, to because it's it's yeah. a valid it's a valid way of getting your name out there yeah you know, yeah back, back in the day you'd buy an advert in a magazine now yeah you've, you you do social media and it, it's great but I just, as it's, much as I try, it, it, I just kind of, I'd rather play drums yeah, and, you and work than do that. I was about to say, you're, you're so busy with work anyway. You don't really need to be wasting your time trying to promote yourself because you, the work is coming to you anyway, by the it sounds is, of it. But, but <laughs> I think, it, yeah, but it's, I'm sure it's always a good thing to uh, to promote yourself and, and to work. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah. Just, just one of those things. Yeah, one of those things. But yeah, yeah. Those, those are my socials. That's my website. And um, plus, on my website, it's got links to buy my album. Yes. Buy it. And uh, if you want a real challenge, uh, you can get the uh, play along tracks uh, and pretend to be me and Marco Miniman. And, That's uh, going to be crazy. I, yeah, I'm going like... to send that, all of that to you right now. I'm not going to. Pro- I'm not going to promise. I'll, I, maybe that could be a good way for me to try and learn how to do the drum recording. Like playing yeah. along to your songs and yeah. probably make, I don't know. I haven't heard them yet, but uh, I look forward to it. Yeah. Okay. Right. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to you, Darby, for taking the time. No I'm looking problem. forward to hopefully meeting you in person one day. Watching you play live would be nice. Well, let's, be... let's do it. Let's, um, 
let's hang out soon. Yeah, yeah. You, you're based in London, right? Yeah, I'm right on the edge of London. So, okay. Um, I'm obviously South Wales. Yeah. Uh, if you're ever playing down my way, and I'll let you know if I'm ever I playing. It, I make it up that way occasionally. So, yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'll be going up to um, British Drum Company uh, in the middle of September, so I can always make a detour and come and visit you first. Oh, that, be, that sounds good, man. Yeah, do it. Let's do yeah. it. Awesome. Um, thank you very much. And yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget the drum for the song. as That's what Darby does very well. <laughs> and also, when you're not drumming for the song, have a bit of fun and be stupid. Yeah, there you go. Right. Just not while you're playing a song. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. Drum for the Song Podcast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Drum for the Song Podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please consider liking the video and subscribing if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. If you could leave me a review or comment, that would be fantastic too, as it helps other people discover this show. Please also consider sharing this with any family members or friends who might enjoy the content. You can also follow me on social media at Dane underscore drums or at Drum for the Song or search for Drum for the Song on Facebook to follow the page and join the official Facebook group. If you'd like to support the podcast, you could purchase some merchandise from drumforthesong.com or consider supporting me via Patreon from just £3 per month for additional exclusive content like bonus episodes, video calls with myself, competitions, discounts and much more. Any additional support is always greatly appreciated, but I would like to give extra special thanks to my top tier Groove Master patrons, whose names are listed in the description below. My name is Dane Campbell, and thanks so much for watching or listening this far. If you're a drummer, don't forget to drum for the song!